The following is an exclusive broadcast from Between Rounds Radio. For more information, visit patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Hey everybody, it's TJ DeSantis from Between Rounds, and I want to thank you for checking out this ad-supported version of our radio shows. You know you can get all of our broadcasts ad-free and likely a few days before everyone else gets them on this platform. That's right. Head over to patreon.com forward slash between rounds. You'll get some shows up to a week in advance. You won't have to listen to me interrupt the show to tell you, hey, you don't need to listen to this. You can check out the ad-free version and you'll get access to content that you won't find anywhere else. Not all of our roundtables and beatdown after the bells are available to everyone in this ad-supported version. Plus, if you become a patron, you'll get access to our exclusive Discord server. There you can chat with not only me, Jeff Sherwood, Rob Tatum, but also people like Jeremy Horn, Monty Cox, Mola Wall, and of course, fans just like you. So, if you want access to all of our programming immediately when it's released, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. And if you don't like to use Patreon, reach out to me directly, DeSantisMMA at gmail.com. It's true, we can get you the content without going through Patreon. I know, you're thinking podcasts are free. You're right. They are. This one right now is free. However, a better version of it is available right now at patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Plus, every dollar you spend on us, we put back into this. That's how I get people like Jeremy Horn, Monty Cox, Mola Wall, Julie Kedzie, Brandon McCaffrey, Jeff Sherwood, Rob Tatum, the whole team. That's how I get them to take time out of their precious lives to do radio for you and all of us. So we would always appreciate your support. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Well, the UFC hits Virginia coming up this Saturday night. It's uh, the UFC on ESPN plus 27, I think. Um, Or UFC Fight Night Norfolk, which is how the locals say it. I want to say Norfolk because it just sounds like I'm not going to get yelled at, but I digress. A flyweight title on the line as Joseph Benavidez takes on Davison Figueiredo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the roundtable. For the Ultimate Fighting Championship, I'm TJ DeSantis, joined by my partner in crime on DeSantis and Duffy. It is Ben Duffy. Ben, uh, we're back together so soon. It feels like we're we're almost friends, maybe. Hey, I, you're the only person who's called me twice today. Um, you're the only person I've called twice today. You're the only person I've actually really called, period, because, you know, I don't really have anyone to call. I'm, I'm lonely. That's, that's pretty much what it is. I don't have a lot of friends, mainly because I treat people like Ian Parker really poorly on the Anakin Florian podcast. Uh, but he's kind enough to give me a few moments here uh, ahead of the flyweight showdown between Joseph Benavides and Davison Figueiredo. Uh, Mr. Parker, welcome to uh, the roundtable. How are you? Good, good. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh... You're not always so mean to me, just 99.9% of the time, but it's fine. Yeah, and the other time is made up in your head when I'm nice to you. It, in my head or complete silence. Right. That, that, that's fine. Yeah, Whatever. I get it. You, you get love on that YouTube channel, which is interesting. I don't know why. I do. I do. I do. Yeah, I don't know why. People think I look high, and I guess they all like weed, even though I don't smoke at all. So it seems to be uh, right. what's kind of propelled right. this popularity situation. I don't know. You live in Florida. It's not legal there. Of course you don't smoke at all. Right. We got it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. That's the reason. Yeah. And then uh, also <laughs> joined by uh, Patrick O'Shea back on the roundtable. He was here when I wasn't. Uh, Jack and Carnosio, uh headed that one. Patrick, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. Are you really? 
Yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah, good. Yeah, I like well, these. Well, well, let me ask you this. Are you really stoked for this fight card coming up on Saturday? Because I think it's one of significance. We're obviously going to crown a new flyweight champion uh, in the main event. But for, for the most part, probably the the softest offering from the UFC to date, um, you know, in, in 2020, that is. But uh, still, I, I think it's worth your time. But, you know, how are you feeling about this? I mean, are you going to invest the time, Patrick, to watch this from, you know, start to finish on Saturday? Well, I'm going to be traveling most of the day Saturday, so I will because I'll have nothing else to do while I'm on a train and then going to another train and then on a plane. Uh, but that aside, um, I'm ho I'm hoping it's going to be one of those sneaky good cards where not a lot of name value other than the you know main and co-main maybe. Well, in this case, really just the main, uh, but it ends up with some sneaky fun fights that are great to watch. So. I, I, but I'm a little biased again just because I'm traveling, so I, I have nothing else to do. Patrick, do you live like off the grid? Like, who has to take two trains <laughs> to get on a plane? Well, so I'm, I'm visiting my parents in a town that is basically off the grid, out in the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Uh, and so you have to take a train, four hour train to get to Chicago, and then take another train, the L, out to O'Hare. So it's, you know. It's, oh. I mean, we, we do cow tipping out here. That's, that's a thing. It's, it's not a thing, actually. I, I watched <laughs> a documentary about how cow tipping is not a thing. Don't lie to me, Patrick. Uh, I mean, I've done it at least once in my life. Well, so. the, the cow definitely didn't fall over. I'll, pr I promise you that. That's true. We weren't strong enough to actually do it, but no <laughs> we, one's, we pushed no, it. No one's strong <laughs> enough. You need a train to knock over a cow. Well, that makes a lot of sense because we tried. We just kept running into cows. That was about it, so. There we there go. You go. Hey, you know, I know we're four <laughs> minutes into this roundtable, and that's all the insight you need. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the fights on Saturday. No, um, we'll actually talk about them. Parker, you're obviously uh, invested, I would say, uh, in the way of picks, uh, generally, because you make those picks on the Anakin Florian podcast, but they had a guest uh, picker this week. So at least you can point to this roundtable appearance as, uh, you know, which way you would have gone had you actually been given the reins this week on the Anakin Florian podcast. How are you feeling about the, uh, the talent on this card? I think there's some bright spots uh, in regards to betting. It's not a great card. Um, you know, in regards to if people like to bet on a lot of different fights, this one's going to be, in my opinion, there's a few bright spots. There's going to be a heavy parlay on a couple of big favorites. Cause I just don't see those favorites really losing. Uh, but my big money is going to be in the main event. And I know we're going to get to that. So I don't want to, uh, you know, jump too soon, but it's kind of tough. You know, a lot of the times I really try to break down the prelims. The way I try to coach people when it comes to betting, especially in MMA, is try to find that value on the undercard. Because a lot of people really get their, I hate to say, get their rocks off taking shots at big underdogs. So I try to get them at least to win something on the undercard. So then when they're risking money later on into the event, especially the main card, <coughs> excuse me, they're playing with house money. Uh, in this situation, I really don't see a lot of value in some of these huge underdogs. So like I said, this is going to be a, uh, a tough one to bet on because a lot of these fights are either so heavy on the favorite or, or even, but there's some value on a few. Yeah, I mean, you look at the uh, the card and the, the lines are kind of all over the place, which when the fight card on any given Saturday is maybe a little bit weak on talent or people feel like it's not one that you need to sit in front of your television for and uh, you know consume uh, from start to finish, it's it's fight cards like this where the lines are a bit skewed where I actually kind of get excited, not even from like a personal betting standpoint because I don't really bet fights, 
but it, it's always exciting to you know see how some of these underdog you know fighters perform against these heavily favored opponents and uh you know anything can sort of happen and you know kind of like you're saying ian though if you are a better uh this this is a card to definitely try to put down uh, you know some parlays on yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, once we start talking about the fights, I'll get into that more. But to your point, you bring up a really good one. Sometimes when you have these cards that don't have the biggest names, Vegas sometimes does you a favor and they don't really know where to place these lines. They base it on, you know, track records, which I really it's crazy that sometimes in this sport they still go based on literally a record. And we know that sometimes guys that are like 20 and six, that's people to the casual fans like, oh, shit, this dude's 20 and six. That's crazy. But you don't know how many cans he fought on the regional circuit. You right. know, I mean, you could you could look last week at Tim Means versus Rodriguez. Anyone that did their homework on Rodriguez, you know, not that Tim Means is a bad fighter. He's a very strong fighter. But matchup-wise, you had a guy that kind of pressures the way Means does not do well again. So, you know, for people that took that shot, you know, again, Vegas had no idea about this guy. They don't go based on, you know, the style. They go based on records often and not the level of competition. So it's pretty crazy. Like I said, with this card, I mean, if you want to talk about someone like Felicia Spencer, I know we'll get to that. It's really challenging when you put, especially in the women's division, I hate to say it, but, you know, outside of like Valentina and some of the bigger names, when you throw minus 700 and change on that, it's 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 kind of crazy, you know. Very little yeah. value in that situation. I mean, for for the most part, I, I I'm never comfortable with lines that are that skewed, e even if it seems to be a no brainer. I mean, look at Macy Barber and Roxanne Montefiore. That's a little bit Bingo. different, but uh, I mean, we do see these crazy lines in mixed martial arts still to this day, where I feel it's gotten a lot better. I mean. Uh, it, it, it's been 15 years, I think, since you could really exploit, uh, the lack of information on behalf of the books. But, uh, you know, it was like four years ago or maybe even less than that when, you know, Rose Namajunas was a sizable underdog to Paige Van Zandt. I know a lot of people that made a lot of money on that fight and it was one yep. that was a no brainer immediately once the line was announced. Well, you know, it's funny you say that I will say that you are correct in regards to the UFC, but when it comes to like Bellator PFL and other organizations, they're still really far off. When Jake Shields fought Ray Cooper, um, I think it was like a year ago, and was it the first tournament they yep, did? Yep. Ray, you know, Jake was like minus eleven hundred. You know, and it's kind of crazy because if you watched Ray Cooper at all, you know this guy had good wrestling credentials and he's got really good hands. And Jake Shields, at this point in his career, has taken a shit ton of damage and is really just a jujitsu guy, and he never had great hands. You know, so how do you not take a shot at plus eight hundred? On a guy like Ray Cooper, if that was in the UFC, there's no way Jake Shields would have been minus 1100 in that situation. Yeah. You know, so in the UFC, they're usually pretty good about that. I mean, they're going to go Felicia Spencer minus what is it, 750 right now? Because a of who of what she's done so far in the UFC compared to what her opponent really hasn't done. Right. So in that situation, I get how far out it is. But to your point, Macy Barber and Roxanne. Remember when Kenny and I were on the show, we said we think Macy will win, but. I don't blame anyone for taking a shot at Roxy because what do we say? If Roxy puts Macy on her back, Roxy could definitely win this fight. That was an outrageous line. I mean, I'm never you know? I'm never going to be upset about anybody throwing a little scratch on these crazy underdogs, especially when, you know, we, we talked about someone like Montefiore who has an extensive, um, you know, history in, in the sport. At the end of the day, it is still combat sports and it 
is a, a sport where anything can happen. I mean, you can literally jump up and down in your corner as you're being uh, announced and come down on an inspector's foot and roll your ankle, and all of a sudden you're you know a one-legged fighter. I mean, it's rare, but uh, you know every once in a while you, you want to make a, a fight card interesting. You know, throw five bucks on a you know plus eight fifty underdog or something, and you never know. Uh, what is going to happen. So obviously on the round table, we've discovered that Patrick lives uh, in the boondocks when he visits his parents, at least. And we've also outlined that Ian Parker is a degenerate. Um, ben Duffy, what random fact do we need to expose about you before we get into analysis of this uh, UFC card? There is nothing interesting about me. I agree. How about those prelims? I agree. I agree. Also, hey, maybe there's not a lot interesting about these prelims. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say that. Uh, there are some names to, to to get to know. There are also names that uh, we've seen in the past. I, I don't want to break every fight down in just disgusting detail, so we can kind of go over uh, the prelims uh, and paint some uh, broad strokes. Uh, I'll ask the panel as a whole, any um, real interest or things that you, you guys feel about the uh, Ishmael uh, Nordiev uh, bout uh, against uh, the undefeated Sean Brady, it's a welterweight affair that kicks off uh, our night in Norfolk. Uh, I I do think uh, Brady's going to take his first L here. Uh, the things that have worked for him on the regional scene are not going to work on Nardiev, I don't think. Uh, Nardiev's going to be the bigger guy, probably the faster guy of hand and foot, and a, a similarly well-rounded fighter. I mean, uh, Chance Rencounter kind of laid out a blueprint, if not the blueprint for beating Nardiev. And he was just a bigger guy that wrestled him and just stayed stuck to him for most of three rounds and basically blanked him. I don't think Brady's going to be able to do that. I, I think Nardiev takes a decision here just by staying away, wrestling when he wants to, because his offensive wrestling is pretty good, uh, and doing more damage. Sean Brady is uh, coming off a victory in his UFC debut. He defeated uh, Court McGee prior to that. Uh, had some wins uh, in the LFA uh, as well as uh, CFFC, which, you know, it, it's really great that you can watch these guys develop prior to really making their UFC run with, you know, the shows that are on Fight Pass. And, you know, Ian, I think that's one thing that, you know, people that gamble like you can really utilize to, uh, you know, make the proper picks is if you want to, you know, get some tape study done on a guy that, you know, may uh, be worth betting on um it's not hard like it used to be i mean going to youtube back in you know even as as recent as say 2015 you know trying to find footage of these guys on their regional uh circuits uh a lot of times you were looking at you know handicam video or you know something that was shot with someone's cell phone and now you're getting multiple angles with a commentary team and you know stuff that's actually worthwhile uh, to watch this feels so weird to say this, but I, I, we're fucking agreeing so much. It's insane. But no, your point is, again, on this one is spot on. I'll, I'll, to, to your point, an example, uh, back when I was managing Chris Weidman, right? I got him into the UFC on short notice. He was fighting Alessio Sakara on the Versus channel, right? At that time, he was only 4-0, ring of combat, and his last win was over Uriah Hall. Before that, you know, to your point, you had to do YouTube. You found the, you know, the flip phones that were videotaping it. And people didn't really do the research. When Chris Weidman took this fight against Sakara on short notice, he was like plus 750, right? Now, for those that don't give a shit about the sport at the time, that's a monster bet on a prospect that literally 
even though his striking was not where, obviously, it got to at a certain point, Sakara was pretty much a white belt in jiu-jitsu. All Chris had to do was take him down, grind it out, and you get a win. Nowadays, it's not as easy to get that because, like you said, there's so much tape out there. And, you know, the, also <clears throat> the level of competition on the regional scene, in my opinion, has definitely gotten better. It is not easy to get into the UFC anymore. You know, guys like Chris and Phil Davis, Ryan Bader, all 4-0 getting into the UFC. Nowadays, you need to be, like, closer to 10-0 and and fighting guys with really strong winning records. You know, so it's, you know, like you said, Fight Pass is a tremendous, tremendous tool for guys that do want to bet that want to look for those underdogs, that also want to be very careful about these guys that are coming in from other organizations um, as heavy favorites out the gate. That's also something to look out for, because sometimes people bet, like, oh, this guy's minus 280. He's got to be the favorable. He's definitely going to win. That doesn't fucking work. MMA math is not a real thing. You know, so, yeah, Fight Pass is great, you know, between LFA, between Titan. You know, obviously, there's a ton of other organizations. Don't have time to name them all, but... At least name one that I provide play-by-play for, though, Parker. Come on now. I'm What, Invicta? Invicta. Invicta's great for that. Sure, yeah. Island fights, too. Come on. All right, sorry. But I'll tell you the one thing about Invicta for the the websites that do actually give those lines, okay? That's one of the best places to make money, I will tell you right now, because the level of competition there between some of the fights, there's a huge disparity, and the lines are not very big. So, there you go. You got a pick for this welterweight fight? Um, I, you know what? <laughs> if you don't, I'm not mad at you. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. In regards to betting, to me, it's too much of a coin flip because with Nordiev, um, I do think he wins. I, I didn't love Brady's performance against McGee. I thought he should have def- you know, again, sometimes octagon jitters, whatever it is. Nordiev, as long as his gas tank doesn't run out and doesn't get what chance did to him, I think he should win this fight. Um, he was a big prospect going into that fight against chance and he was actually like minus 500 or something like that so i think he does fine here just hopefully his cardio is up and he doesn't get you know wrestle fucked the whole time so right. uh you mentioned the the ring counter fight um nordiev was a, a minus 600 favorite oh uh, what did i say 550 yeah yeah 500 yeah. so i mean yeah definitely a huge odds there and uh, as he should have been you know coming off the win over uh, michelle Prezeris. uh yep. he he lost a ren counter now uh coming off a win over cr bahadrezada uh, Patrick Auger, your thoughts on this opening bout of the evening in Virginia? Well, I think it, it's one of those things where the Austrian Wonder Boy should get this done. Um, and I, I mean, Sean Brady is undefeated. He he has looked good in some of his fights. Again, against you know Court, he didn't look the the best uh, that we've seen him. And I, I think you know Nardiev is is someone who, while those odds obviously. Were, were not correct his last time out. He he is still looked like a monster, and Chance uh, Recountry is not you know anyone to be taken lightly either. So when when it comes down to it, I can't imagine Nardiev not winning this. I don't know that it's going to be fireworks. I don't know that you know you're going to see a crazy KO or something like that. But uh, this is Nardiev's to lose, in my opinion. And again, it's as we talked about and as we were just discussing, it, it's. You know, it's MMA. Anything can happen. MMA math does not always work. But just based on what I've seen from both guys, I think that I'm in agreement that this is where Brady takes his first loss. And Nardiev, you know, kind of gets back on track in terms of his his prospect uh, hopes that, you know, the UFC assumes he's going to be this big thing. At least that's what I believe. A lot of talk about MMA math. And while maybe it doesn't work, it 100 percent is a thing. It's a podcast hosted by Dean Thomas, and it's on Between Rounds Radio.
So check it out. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, 145-pound division. We see uh, Alon Cruz against uh, a gentleman who, this is a name that someone made up, I swear. Like, oh, I'm going to create a fighter on UFC 3. Let's name him Spike Carlisle. Yeah, Sp- Spike Carlisle. No, he's a, he's a real person, and his nickname is the Alpha Ginger, um, which makes me uncomfortable saying that, but... Uh, I don't know. I guess he's he's into it. If I call someone an alpha ginger, uh, I feel like they're going to prove their alphaness to me and show me that I'm just a, a beta dirty blonde. Um, eight and one is Spark, uh, Spike Carlisle uh, coming in off of uh, a win over the previously undefeated John Paul Bosnoyan, uh, who you can see on Combat Jiu-Jitsu. He's, uh, he's fought there multiple times. Um, he takes on uh, Alan Cruz. Uh, Cruz getting a shot after his appearance on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Well, no longer Tuesday Night Contender Series, just the Contender Series. Uh, he uh, got a win over Steve Wen. Uh, ben Duffy, kick us off uh, your thoughts on this 145-pound affair. This is one of the more difficult fights on the whole card for me to call. Uh, not because of any strange matchup dynamic, but just because... There are such relatively unknown quantities. Cruz is a fighter who's shown lots of promise, but also has some pretty obvious deficiencies in his game versus Carlisle, who is just more of an unknown quantity flat out. I mean, in in spite of what uh, we just covered in terms of how much easier it is to find footage on up-and-coming fighters through uh, either Fight Pass or YouTube, Carlisle... A little tough to find a whole lot of footage on him. I, I did see his LFA fight where he, you know, flattened Heffernan with a spinning back fist in like 90 seconds. But I just don't feel as though I have a real great grasp on this game. That in mind, I am going to go with uh, Cruz. I think Cruz will probably win by knockout in the second half of the fight. And that is just based on what little I've seen of Carlisle's uh, striking game versus what I know of Cruz's. Uh, Cruz, a minus 170 favorite at the time of recording. Ben Duffy likes the uh, favorite in Cruz. Patrick O'Jay, your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with Ben here where I, you know, in, in the limited research I was able to find on Carlisle, uh, outside of the LFA fight, I, I can't really tell his um, skill set. I'm going to say that because of that, at least in my experience, uh, whenever I watch a fight where I have no idea about the real quality of opponents that Carlisle has fought and, you know, really seen him go through things, and then a guy like him shows up, somehow he always ends up winning. So I'm going to assume that because I would normally think Carlisle would lose to Cruz, who, as Duffy has pointed out, we've seen some of his, uh, you know, openings, some deficiencies. He's beaten Steve Garcia, who's also on this card. Um, he he's he has more. There's more you can find out about him, but I, I think Carlisle is going to end up winning in this battle of relatively unknown prospects. Yeah, definitely one that I think uh, people may have some hesitancy uh, betting on. Not you know uh, an easy fight to just glance at. Uh, you know, say the fight finder and and you know be uh, you know enriched with all the information that uh, you need to to lay down some scratch. 
uh, unless I'm completely wrong and Ian Parker feels like this is a safe bet or something he should add to a, a, a parlay. Parker, where are you at? No, I, I, again, I can't believe I'm saying this. I agree with you. Um, you know, again, you know, to both gentlemen's point, a lot of unknown here. I really have a hard time betting on guys from the contender series right out the gate where, you know, we, we did see a lot of deficiencies in his game, you know, hit that flying knee. So that's going to kind of blind people from this, you know, and the other guy, what'd you say? It was Spike Carlisle, Spark Kyle, Spike Kyle, whatever you want to call him, give him a cool nickname for the video game. But, you know, these are, there's just one of those fights. We just got to stay away. In my opinion, there's too much. I, you know, if you want to take a shot at an underdog, I guess this is the one. Uh, but I'm not comfortable betting either way. So I, I'm no picking on this fight. Definitely no bet. Yeah, not mad at you uh, about it at all. So uh, no pick from Ian Parker on uh, Spike Carlisle and Alan Cruz. Uh, up next, we stick with the featherweight division. I don't know what his real name is, but he goes by TJ. And, uh, you know, I get real butthurt when people go by TJ when it's not their name. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe downtown TJ Brown is actually named TJ. He takes on uh, Jordan Griffin. Uh, Brown, 14-6 and six in his MMA career. Um, he's coming off a uh, win over Dylan Lockhart on the Contender Series. It was a submission uh, via arm triangle choke in the third round. Jordan Griffin, uh, he's coming off a couple of losses. Uh, one to Dan Ige. Uh, back in 2018, uh, and then most recently, uh, he lost to Chaz Skelly uh, via unanimous decision uh, in September uh, on ESPN. Uh, he trains out of the Rufus Sport Camp in Milwaukee. Uh, ben Duffy, you can kick us off. It is Jordan Griffin and TJ Brown. Uh, first of all, when I talked about this card on my own show earlier this week, this is the fight I picked as my sleeper for fight of the night. I think this one's going to be a whole lot of fun for however long it goes. Having said that, uh, give me Brown in this one. I know he is a uh, slight underdog, but I think there are a lot of parallels between these guys' games. Uh, they both want the same things. They both want to scramble. They both want to get on your back. They both want to tap you out. The advantage Griffin has is that he has shown like some serious power on the feet. You know, he lost the Skelly fight, but the way it kind of turned into the match it did is that he rung up uh, Skelly a little bit early and Skelly decided that he'd rather take his chances on the floor. Brown's advantage is that he seems to be the better offensive wrestler. So I think this is going to turn into a fight that's going to have uh, a lot of scrambling, a lot of interesting grappling, but Brown is probably going to be the one kind of determining when those scrambles start, where they start, uh, may even just get some flat-out clean takedowns and end up in advantageous positions. It wouldn't surprise me if either of these guys tapped the other with something sensational and ended up on the highlight reels, but my pick is Brown by decision, just by better control and maybe some damage landed on the ground. Ben Duffy likes uh, TJ Brown to defeat the Rufus Sport uh, fighter on Saturday. Patrick Auger, where's your head at? Given, I mean, uh, Duffy, you know, pretty much laid it out in terms of I expect this to be a scramble fest for sure. I think there's going to be a lot of wrestling. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, just craziness on the ground. I And I also agree with Ben that I feel like Griffin has some power there, at least when he's demonstrated against Skelly, that, you know, it could end up being a bad time for Brown if he, he gets caught on the the feet. 
that being said, also, Griffin is under the gun here, in my opinion, where he, he's lost two in a row, albeit to good opponents. But still, if I feel like if he loses a third, it's very likely he, he might get that pink slip from the UFC. And I think in that desperation, he's going to, you know, do what it takes to to try and pull this out. It's it's a real close fight. The odds, I mean, we just have talked about how the odds are sometimes so wrong. But I like to think they give at least a little bit of an indication sometimes, uh, especially with people that have, you know, fought in the UFC before. In this case, it's a near pick em. Uh, I I like Griffin in this one just because it's a do-or-die situation for him, and I feel like standing he has some advantage. So if he can, you know, maintain that, his his takedown defense is 60%. If he can, you know, on average, if he could stop TJ or at least stuff him a little bit and then keep it on the feet for longer, I think he can win this one. Once upon a time, three strikes definitely meant you were out uh, of the UFC. That's not necessarily the case uh, here in 2020, but uh, you got to believe that you know you you drop your first three fights in the octagon, you're much more likely to maybe get your uh, walking papers. Patrick likes uh, you know that uh, sort of fuel to maybe get the job done for Jordan Griffin. Uh, Ian Parker, any thoughts on this one, uh, Jordan Griffin and TJ Brown? I'll be quick with this one. You know, like I said, I think if you're going to have to, if you put a gun to my head, I'll go Griffin here. On a betting standpoint, again, way too risky. Uh, what Griffin showed us in his last fight, I hate to say, you know, I, I hate to say this about fighters, but the IQ in the cage against Skelly was kind of piss poor. You know, he was winning on the feet. He did damage. And once Chaz got that fight to the ground, you know, it was like a no-brainer. So in that situation, you got to think his team is telling us, I know he comes from a great camp, Chaz is going to take you down. He's not going to win this on the feet. You know, Skelly is known for his wrestling. He's known for his grit, his toughness. You know, in this fight, and, and I forgot which one you mentioned about the 60% takedown rate. Yeah, if he can keep this fight standing, I think he wins. You know, he's got the power. But I'll go Griffin because I think he does. I think he is able to keep this fight on the feet. I don't think his opponent has the Chaz Skelly level wrestling. And I also think that Griffin has fought the higher level of competition. That, that is where MMA math, in my opinion, plays a huge factor. So betting-wise... Again, stay away. Enjoy the chaotic scrambles that will probably happen. But I, I would go Griffin here. I, I think it's very rare that anybody would actually want to take a fighter from a betting standpoint in a fight that everyone feels has potential to be fight of the night. Because very rarely is it a dominant one-sided performance where we're like, yeah, it's fight of the night. Like, you got to have the heart of a lion and just keep, you know, getting back up uh, repeatedly after getting dropped for anyone to consider uh, a one-sided fight to be uh, fight of the night. And even then, I think we're, we're probably uh, not saying that it was uh, the fight of the night. Probably, again, that sort of, I mean, it's semantics, but, you know, performance of the night is uh, the bonus that is handed out uh, now. But uh, some dissension on the roundtable. Uh, we move on. Uh, it is time to hit up the heavyweight division as uh, Marcin Tibera takes on Sergey Spivak. Uh, Spivak, uh, 10 and 1. Uh, Tabura, uh, 17 and 6. Uh, the poll coming off back-to-back losses to Shamir Abdurahimov and Augustus Sakai. He's actually lost four of his last five. The sole win for Tabura was a decision over Stefan Struve back in July uh, of 2018. Uh, Sergey Spivak, uh, he has uh, amassed a 10 and 1 record with his sole loss being 
uh, to Walt Harris. That was uh, in May uh, of 2019. Patrick Auger, you will get the honors to kick off this heavyweight uh, analysis here on the roundtable. So looking at this one, to me, uh, I, I think Spivak has a clear advantage here. I've never been a huge fan of Tybura, especially even in his wins. Um, if you look at Struve, if, if you look at you know some of some of the fights where he's won, he he doesn't seem to have the ability to really you know land a one punch knockout. And as a heavyweight, that's a huge disadvantage right there. And while his kickboxing is good, it's still he leaves himself open. I mean, if you look at how he lost against Derek Lewis, where he's winning that fight cruising, and then he just left himself wide open all day for Lewis to land that big shot. Um, and Spivak, again, his only loss is to Walt Harris, which we all know he hits like a Mack truck. So there's nothing nothing shameful about having a, a loss to him in that regard. But, I mean, he also submitted, you know, Tai Tuivasa, which, again, to, I'm not super high on Tuivasa, but the fact he was able to finish him speaks volumes for Spivak. I, I think this is an easy win for Spivak. I think this might be, again... The, the death knell for Tybura just because, I mean, it's heavyweight, so probably not, but he, he has not looked particularly great, and I feel like Spivak got knocked out once, and a lot of people wrote him off, and I think he's just going to keep showing that he belongs in that division and belongs to, you know, be climbing up the ranks because he's a lot better than people give him credit for. Which totally means that uh, Martin Tybura could win because of heavyweight. You know, it's just it's yeah. a heavyweight fight. Never, never say never, especially in the heavyweight division. But some conviction there with uh, Patrick Auger's pick of Sergey Spivak. Ben Duffy, uh, any love here for uh, Martin Tibera? I'm afraid not. This is the fight where I'm just sort of course correcting my misconceptions over you know the past year or past few years because I am old enough in this sport, and I believe everybody on this roundtable is to remember when Martin Tybura was kind of thought of as a surefire future top 10 guy, like hot prospect really for no other reason than being under 30 as a heavyweight and looking somewhat coordinated and having some basic skills in all phases. I mean, he was never great at anything, but he's, you know, he, he just was a guy that wasn't already on the decline of his career. I mean, even that modest projection has not really been borne out in the last few years. And I just have trouble seeing where he wins this or where he has the advantage. And talking about Spivak, I'm coming from the complete opposite direction, where ahead of the Tuivasa fight, I was on, again, you know, my own show, and I went on what was probably about a three-minute rant about how he had one of the worst resumes ever coming into the UFC. Just, I mean, he got into the UFC off of beating like Tony Lopez, Travis Fulton, and Ivo Cook, who's about the fourth best middleweight in Croatia. Hey, like, come on it, now. I mean, think of the experience advantage for both Fulton and Lopez. Exactly. <laughs> and I always you know, worry course, if my sarcasm carries over the air sometimes. You know, I, I get your sarcasm. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, and then Spivak, of course, got splattered by Walt Harris in 50 seconds in his first. Uh, in, in his UFC debut. And so I just crapped all over him ahead of the Tuivasa fight and said, even though we're not even sure that Tuivasa really trains, like he should be able to kill Spivak. And I was dead wrong. And uh, Spivak showed what he is good at. And I think it's going to be more than enough to carry this over Tybura. 
I mean, it would. Uh, I think Ian pointed out that Tybora beat Stefan Struve, but uh, even that fight, he didn't look great. And the fights he's lost, he has looked terrible in them. He is glacially slow on the feet. So even though he knows how to throw proper strikes, proper combinations, has decent footwork for a heavyweight, it doesn't matter. Like, again, Derek Lewis just knocked his head off. He's he's all right when he can get his own offensive wrestling and grappling going. None of that's going to work on Spivak. Spivak is younger, much quicker, stronger. He's more aggressive because the other thing is that Tybura won't do much unless you come right at him. And when Spivak comes at him, I think he's just going to box him up, toss him on the ground with a judo throw and, and beat his brains. And I've got Spivak by second round knockout. So two picks with, uh, you know, st- fairly strong conviction for uh, Sergey Spivak, but the line, Ian Parker, um, pretty much even. Minus 110 for Spivak, uh, plus 103 for Martin Tibera. Is this a fight that is worth throwing some money down on, or is it just a heavyweight fight, and that's why the lines are this way? No, this fight's fucking atrocious. <laughs> um Look, it's, you know, in, in regards to betting, you know, again, listen, in my opinion for this fight, someone is going, I, I can't see it going the distance. Um, I, I don't love either guy at this point. I did think Tabor when he first came in, I thought he had, I think you guys were, I mean, I respect your opinions. I thought you were a little harsh on him. Uh, his skill set, you know, who he fought prior to coming to the UFC was definitely way better than who Spivak came into. And you know, there was a lot of hype actually behind Spivak for some whatever reason. I mean, listen, you're fighting Walt Harris on your first, you know, card, your first fight in the UFC. That's that's that sucks. Uh, Walt's pretty good. He's an underrated guy in the division. But in this fight, to me, it's too much of a coin flip. You know, it, it, to me, who, whichever guy, if this fight becomes a grapple fest, whoever's on their back is going to lose. You know, I think Tabura, if he somehow put Spivak on his back, I'm not saying that happens. I think he could, you know, not make the same mistake he made against Derek Lewis. He was really cruising in that fight. So, you know, I guess if you want to base it off of who's just been, who's sucked more lately, sure, Spivak. Um, but on a betting standpoint, I wouldn't touch this thing with a 10-foot ball. It's just, it's heavyweight, you know? It's just, you never know what can happen. And it's an ugly, it's an ugly fight. Uh, I'm surprised that it's as at a pick I thought Spivak would have been like a minus 165, you know, because of his last fight. Uh, tied to Ivasa, although, again, probably a white belt in jiu-jitsu at best. Still was a name who's fought guys, so and well, you know. We'll let, see, let's we'll be honest. Happens. Let's be honest too, Ian. Like this line, yeah. as as we record this on Wednesday, it may be drastically different after weigh-ins and and people start betting it. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how many people are rushing to the window to start putting down money on Marcin Tybura or Sergey Spivak. You know, prior to you know the day of the fight or the day before the fight, really. Probably nobody, and yeah. it's because this car is because this car doesn't have any real sauce behind it. So it's hard for people to get behind doing the research on fights like this. I mean, to everyone's point, if you listen, if if I if you said, hey, you have to bet this fight, of course I would take Spivak out of the two of them. It, there's it's a no brainer between the two, but it's heavyweight. Both have not been very impressive. I, you know, yes, he beat Tai Tuivasa, but again, it, it, there's a clear path to beating. To Ivasa. You take him down, the guy looks like a fish out of water on his back. It's the same shit with Derek Lewis when Derek Lewis first started, but Lewis has improved his game by getting, I mean, against Blagoy, he was able to get up and get back up, and that was impressive. Uh, this fight to me is just, again, a filler. They're obviously trying to see if Spivak can be a, pro- a prospect and probably trying to get Tabora out at this point. So 
that's where that's what this fight looks like to me. Yep. So uh, it's three, you know, pretty firm picks on Sergey Spivak, but uh, it sounds like uh, Ian Parker wouldn't bet this fight with your money. So you shouldn't. Oh either. no, with, with with your money, I don't give a shit. But with my money, yeah, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> you know, I, I I wouldn't. Yeah. There you so. go. All right, middleweights. Yeah. Middleweights will take uh, center cage in Norfolk when Brendan Allen takes on Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze, uh, eleven and one on his uh, MMA campaign. Brendan Allen, thirteen and three. Um, looking at Breeze, he uh, ha- hasn't fought in the UFC for a while. Uh, you got to go all the way back to uh, May of 2018. Since then, uh, he spent uh, some time uh, grappling. Um, he, he's an accomplished grappler and, and, and has walked away, uh, at least for a, almost a couple of years, a uh, year and a half or so, uh, from MMA, but, uh, he's back in action coming up, uh, this Saturday in Virginia. He takes on, uh, Brendan Allen, uh, Allen, uh, one and zero in his UFC campaign, uh, got in following his, uh, win over Aaron Jeffrey on Dana White's contender series. Uh, that was a fight that uh, showed him uh, you know, getting work done quickly, 3 minutes, 23 seconds of the first round uh, when he wrapped up a rear naked choke. And his UFC debut, similar, took a little bit longer. It was 3 minutes, 38 seconds into round two when he got the rear naked choke against Kevin Holland. Ian Parker will stay with you. It's Tom Breeze and Brendan Allen. What, what, do you have the current line for that fight? I do. If I pull it up right here, it says that Brendan Allen... Uh, is as high as plus 118, while Tom Breeze is minus 123. Yeah, see, that's super confusing to me. Um, I actually like Brendan Allen in this fight. You know, I think he is a real prospect in the division. He show well-rounded skills. You know, haven't seen much of Breeze um, in a while. So, I mean, if... Uh, if, if So, the, on a betting standpoint, I see value in the underdog here. I really do. I think Allen is... Younger guy, I think physically he will be stronger. I think actually if he keeps this fight on the feet, he may be better off, although his jiu-jitsu is very solid. I just think against a guy who's a little bit more seasoned, sometimes those same tricks that he used back in LFA won't work here. But I like him as the underdog, man. I'm, I'm surprised. I thought he might have come in at like minus 125, but him at a plus number value seems pretty solid to me. So I'll go I'll go Brendan Allen here as the underdog. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that pick at all for a, a variety of reasons. Uh, if you look at Tom Breeze's last scheduled fight, it was against uh, Ian Heinish, and it was uh, canceled due to uh, health concerns. I don't know what those health concerns were for Tom Breeze, but uh, he, he was removed from the fight card due to health concerns. But the real thing that I'm sort of interested in is while Tom Breeze has been competing, he's been doing so in straight jujitsu format, and he has... Uh, you know, right, and, right, and, right. That's right. why I was a little thrown off also because, you know, I mean, what didn't he retire also before the 2018 return and then the health issues put him back on the shelf, yet then he just started doing jujitsu all over the place? Right. right. And, and the thing about jujitsu is while you're still active, I think if you're a, a mixed martial artist who goes back and forth, there are times where you can get a little bit too comfortable on the mat. And I think that is sort of um, a, a weakness really for all jujitsu guys. Um, when they, especially when they feel like they are the superior of the two men uh, in the grappling department. And when you are really focused on grappling, sometimes it can get into your head a little bit like, oh, no, I can, you know, uh, angle in here for a leg and go for an inverted heel hook. He's not going to hurt me. And then all of a sudden you're looking at the referee going, wait, what what happened? I don't, I was going to rip his knee apart and now my nose is flattened and I can't breathe very well. Um 
not that that's necessarily going to be the case, but I absolutely don't hate the pick of Brendan Allen based on just what has been going on with Tom Breeze as of late. Patrick Auger, your thoughts, Breeze and Allen? Yeah, I'm very surprised that Allen is the underdog in this fight. And despite what Ian said earlier about the heavyweight fight, I'm very tempted to do a parlay here with uh, Sergey and Allen because, in my mind, that's well worth the money. Um, I Again, Breeze has been away for a while. He had that medical concern like he brought up. You know, Ring rust is a thing with some people. It, sometimes it's not, though, so who knows? But Allen has just looked like a monster. Even, even in his decision win... Um, not that long ago, he before he got to the UFC, he's looked really good. I don't see anywhere that Breeze can really beat Allen overall uh, unless it goes straight to the mat and and they go into a pure jujitsu or grappling bout. And I don't think Allen will do that. So I I think that this is a clear, you know, not not a hundred percent slam dunk, but Allen is a really heavy favorite in my opinion and i can't understand why he's an underdog that's to me seems like easy money but that's just me ben duffy your thoughts uh on breeze and allen i'm gonna differ here i have i i, I am cautiously taking uh breeze in this fight although i am completely on board in being surprised that he is even a slight favorite like i expected when this fight was announced to be kind of calling him as the winner, but, you know, as an underdog, like I, I expected to, to feel like a sharp about this and then, and, and I'm apparently not, uh, just, you know, for, for history and, uh, and for the, for the sake of, of knowledge, he pulled out of his last fight with undisclosed medical concerns, which he later admitted were an anxiety attack. Make of that what you will. I mean, I, I hate to say this, but that actually makes me more concerned than if it were some other, you know, health issue. And, and the reason I say that, uh, not, you know, to, to make light of, uh, you know, any sort of mental weakness here. I'm not trying to say that. But, like, if you listen to comments and remarks made by someone like Carl Parisian when he was dealing with the same issues, uh, I mean, it was it was overwhelming. And, and I think, you know, he... Uh, competed multiple times after his first uh, anxiety attack, but it, it's something that you know really plagued him throughout the rest of his career, and you know it, it can turn uh, you know one of the brightest prospects into you know someone who's largely remembered at, for underperforming. I can't I'll argue that. Thousand bucks on Allen. Thank you very much. <laughs> and got, there you go. Got a parlay that was Spivak. Yeah, no, um, I'll, give, I'll give you a better parlay. No spinback. You know okay, what, baby? Right. Do whatever you want. I don't right. know. Do whatever you want. Flip, uh, flip a fucking coin. If you, uh, if you are interested in making that parlay, you can get it uh, around plus 269. So uh, there you go. Um, go to work. Not bad. Not bad. Up next, Bantamweights will take the octagon as Gabriel Silva, 8-1, and one, uh, takes on the 6-1 and one, uh, Kyler Phillips. Um, let's start with you, Patrick. Your thoughts on uh, these bantamweights uh, fighting in in Virginia? So this is an interesting one in the sense of it's not exactly the same of what they did at UFC 247 with Lingo versus uh, Zalal, but it's you know again two LFA guys going at each other. Where Silva has has fought Ray Borg, um, 
since he joined the UFC. But Phillips hasn't. Uh, he he was supposed to fight Raid Borg and then pulled out with an injury last minute um, in March of last year. So it feels like another like, hey, these two are going to fight. You know, almost aside from Silva's fight against Borg is basically just straight out of LFA. Um, something caught my eye looking researching this fight a little bit, where according to and I I don't know if this is correct. It seems like it's not, but according to uh, UFC fight stats. Kyler Phillips apparently has an 18.26 strikes landed per minute, which is that's insanely bonkers. high. There's, yeah, there's, yeah, that's not right. That can't be. I, I can't imagine it is. But even just looking through his record to verify, like, is that correct or not? I don't believe it is. But he has a lot of finishes, um, you know, first, second round. And his losses to Katona and... Um, the other uh, Henry, yeah, we're, we're both you know majority and split decisions. I, I think it's gonna be a really. I think it's gonna be a firefight. You, you, I, I, real, real quick on that on that stat that you threw out there. I wonder if that stat isn't based off his uh, lone uh, contender series bout, which was you know uh, over pretty quickly. It was a ground and pound stoppage in forty six seconds. Like that could be true if he landed. 18.6 whatever strikes or whatever in 46 seconds, and they're trying to base that off of, you know, or base that stat off of the just one performance, but I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's very possible, and it's, it, I mean, the thing, you know, thinking about it, the interesting thing is is that he had that stat, and then he goes on to lose in the ultimate fighter, so you figure they would have captured those stats too, but maybe not. Um, either way, yeah, I I can't imagine it is correct, but just looking at his style and his, you know, propensity for for stand up fights, and then Silva too, you know, loves to just, you know, fight. I mean, in fact, where I met uh, Ben Duffy was at LFA sixty three, where he got a crazy knockout, and ended up getting uh, a contract from Dana. Um, I mean, it's it's gonna be a a fun firefight, in my opinion, and I I'm leaning a little bit more towards. Uh, Phillips just because of if Phillips can take it to the ground Silva really struggles on the ground and I don't know that Phillips is particularly based there because we haven't really seen you know a, a lot of his fights where he's had to do takedowns or, or fight on the ground at all uh, but it, I mean I know Silva struggles in that regard I think they're both great stand-up fighters who knows how it's going to go but I would lean towards Phillips just because I know Silva has a lot of trouble on the ground um, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's, but then again, it's probably a, a coin flip of just who knocks each other out first because both of these guys love to just strike. So, uh, Kyler Phillips is nicknamed matrix and, uh, Gabrielle Silva, uh, has, uh, you know, a, a Portuguese nickname. Um, I mean, it's a Brazilian nickname, but obviously a Portuguese word. And I absolutely love the Brazilian nicknames because they're they're very simple and in like uh, Fabricio Camões, for whatever reason, Morongo, just strawberry doesn't make sense to me. Uh, usually, there's a good story behind it, but uh, Gabriel Silva. Anybody care to guess what Gabito means? I have no clue. <laughs> no idea. Feedback. Huh. So who are you taking? Right. Who are you taking, Duffy? Feedback or Matrix? Well, interestingly, and here here's the kind of expertise that you only get through uh, Between Rounds Radio and the Sure Dog Radio Network. 
I am fairly certain that Patrick Auger and myself are the only members of the worldwide mixed martial arts combat sports media that have covered both of Gabriel Silva's last two events in person. We're the only ones. Congrats. I don't <laughs> that's that that that's expertise right there. No, he I mean he fought at LFA sixty-three uh last year and then, you know, uh fought obviously in at UFC San Antonio in, in July. I see the dynamic of the fight the same way that Patrick does, even if I'm leaning the other way on the actual pick. Uh when Silva fought Ray Borg in San Antonio last summer. Borg laid out, again, if not the blueprint, at least a blueprint uh, for beating him. Borg just flat out bullied him around. Uh, You know, took him down, controlled him there. And, I mean, those are the two things I learned. That Silva can be pushed around and that Borg should just stay at Bantamweight because he's clearly plenty strong enough to beat people. Uh, Against Phillips, I mean, obviously I don't believe that Phillips throws 18 strikes per minute in any sort of relevant mathematical context, but he is hyper-aggressive. He is very high volume. Uh, Coming up against Silva, I don't think it's going to be enough. I I think Silva will be able to land the more and better strikes on the feet, and if it does go to the ground, I actually do favor Silva over Phillips there. Like, he's not a complete jump on the ground. Just Borg is a very strong guy whether at 125 or 135 and a very savvy ground fighter so give me silva by decision in this one all right and ian parker your thoughts on silva and phillips <laughs> um i don't have a pick for that one either again th- you know what's funny about this card dude is that there's just so many of these fights of these guys that you don't know much about even when you watch the tape so from a betting standpoint it's it's really not worth the risk you know especially on a card that people are not even interested anyway you know, there's like I said, there's a few bright spots to really plug your money. This is not one of them. So I'm staying away from this one as well. We've reached our final prelim of the evening, which is weird because, I mean, it's hard to call it a prelim when it's all on the same channel and you don't really have to do anything. But they will stop down after Luis Pena and Steve Garcia to play some promos. And that this is when Bruce Buffer will say, we are live, despite having been live for the last four hours. But I digress. Uh... Violent Bob Ross coming off uh, not really a masterpiece, uh, but it was a fun fight. He came up short to Matt Frivola, uh, split decision. Uh, that happened in October of last year, uh, part of the UFC on ESPN Plus 19 card. Uh, on Saturday, he draws the name Steve Garcia. Garcia 11-3 and three on his uh, MMA campaign, uh, training and fighting out of uh, Albuquerque, uh, Luttrell's MMA, as well as uh, Jackson Wink MMA. Um, looking at uh, his uh, journey to the Octagon, uh, he came up through uh, the Contender Series, didn't get the contract on that night, despite uh, a pretty solid uh, performance over Desmond Torres, where uh, he got the uh, win via TKO in the first round. Um, Went to the LFA, uh, got a win by stoppage in the second round over uh, Jose Mariscal, and now uh, he makes his official UFC debut against uh, Violent Bob Ross. We'll start with you, Ben Duffy. Your thoughts on our featured prelim of the night. I think this is an appropriate fight for both fighters. Uh, I thought Luis Pena, I've never been quite as high on him as kind of the hype and name recognition have been either in terms of flat-out accomplishment or, I mean, even as an exciting fighter. 
I think people might think he's more exciting than he is just because he looks exciting. Just because he's like this incredibly tall, lanky, uh, lightweight slash wannabe featherweight with crazy hair and assume his fights must be crazy. But his fights aren't always crazy. Uh, having said that, I thought he looked good in the Frivola fight. It was close, but he played to his own best strengths uh, and just didn't quite come through. I think he's going to uh, handle Garcia easily. Uh, Garcia is overdue for a call-up to the UFC, but Pena's not the guy for him to uh, to try this out against. Uh, Pena, I expect him to kind of go to the more boring parts of his game. I think Pena's just going to get the clinch, stifle him there, wrestle. Pena's always you know, very, very willing to drop levels and shoot a double for a guy that's nine feet tall fighting 155-pounders. So I, I expect that we'll see Pena win a decision in a fight where he takes two, maybe three rounds uh, with not very many flashes of crazy excitement, but he's in control most of the time. Minus 276 is the favorite Luis Pena to come back on Steve Garcia, plus 234. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts on the feature prelim? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ben in this regard in that it's... Um, I, I have never been as high on Luis Pena as many others. I know that during the Ultimate Fighter season 27, he was one of the most exciting fighters in, in that house. And in terms of actually, you know, performing in those exhibition bouts, you know, did really well. Had that great win over Richie Smolin. Um, but he is he is kind of, you know, a lot of people, you know, have said he's always oh, crazy. So exciting super fun to watch but he doesn't you know he hasn't really translated that into very exciting wins or even losses it's been yeah there's some action here and there but there's a lot of clinch work there's it, he he's good and i believe that this is an appropriate fight for him but i'm gonna lean a little bit the other way just because it seems like when i watch Pena fight he he gets a little overzealous at times to, to maybe try and hype up the crowd or try and do something a little bit more, you know, takes a risk or two that might look better. And that's why a lot of people, I think, um, think he's so exciting is because he's, he's doing it more flashy techniques than something that's probably more fundamentally sound at points. And, you know, Garcia has been on a tear and I, I think it's going to go to decision either way. I think it's going to end up, you know, being a, a close fight, but it, I think, in my opinion, Pena kind of you know falls falls a little short just because I, I think he will. I don't believe, as as Duffy believes, that he'll be more reserved and stick to his fundamentals. I think he'll start that way, but I think if he gets confident, he'll kind of take some risks that are unnecessary that might look flashy, and he will pay for it because Garcia is is a fundamentally sound fighter. Again, uh, as as Ben said, a long time coming that he he gets his call up to the UFC. I, I think that Garcia is going to edge him out just because I think he's going to be the more disciplined fighter um, in the fight, not necessarily due purely to ability. And Ian Parker will get the final word on our featured prelim of the night. It's Luis Pena and Steve Garcia. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. You know, I think Garcia is, you know, it's interesting when you think of, I know I love violent Bob Ross. What a great freaking nickname. Um, I thought he was going to be a heavier favorite. So on a betting standpoint, I think he's only minus 145, if I'm correct. Um, 
if he stays around that area, I kind of like him here. I just think his experience and the level of competition he's also fought uh, with the losses he's taken is really going to kind of propel him. I still, I still think he's got a nice career ahead of him, so I'm going with him. All right, that will do it for the undercard. We will take a quick break, come back, hit our uh, five-fight main card, which features that flyweight title fight uh, in the main event as Joseph Benavidez takes on Davison Figueroa. I'll take a quick break. Come back. You are listening to The Roundtable on the Sure Dog Radio Network. I'm guessing you want to hear picks for the main card. Well, you can't right now. Well, never mind. You can't. But not right here. Right now. If you want the main card predictions for the UFC in Virginia, you need to head over to patreon.com forward slash between rounds. There you'll get first access to the main card picks as well as some of our other content. Uh, exclusive content like Behind the Paywall with me and Jeff Sherwood. Also, you can listen to the entire roundtable without any interruptions. In fact, no interruptions on anything on Patreon. No commercials for whatever dynamic ad insertion you hear after this message or before this message or anywhere. So, yeah. Patreon.com forward slash between rounds. You can sign up as a casual five bucks. That's uh, less than the coffee you drank this morning. 750. That's a keyboard warrior. A lot of things come with that, including our Discord server. There, you can hang out with other fans of the show, as well as people like Jeremy Horn, Monty Cox, Mola Wall, Rob Tatum, me, and Jeff Sherwood. And if you want to be real awesome, you can be a hardcore. Hardcores get it all, and they get it first, and they get it ad-free. Um, also, as a hardcore, you get unlimited access to our brand new betting show, with myself and Rob Tatum, where you could actually win money. Yeah, win money. Or, or you could lose money. But you should definitely invest money into Between Rounds Radio. So please do so. Patreon.com forward slash Between Rounds. Now, if you're going, I'm not paying for radio. It's not happening. Well, fine. Don't. We're going to have to stick around and wait for the main card tomorrow. Or maybe the next day. Probably tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow unless it's already up. And then you've already waited. Great job. But we'd still appreciate your support. Again, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. The preceding show is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. 
You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Five Hour Energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details.